Welcome back. My name is Chris. Yeah, I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. Actually, that wasn't Chris. That was me the whole time because Chris is gone. Andy, hit the new theme. Steve and Andy Show. Chris isn't here because he had to go to Hawaii. Aloha. Go snorkeling a bit. Who does that? So we're creaming and creaming in. goodness you have heard it here first ladies and gentlemen the chris is away so the mice will play <laughs> chris is the way the boys come out to play oh uh, man this is a very big deal like obviously chris is not here he is taking his long-awaited honeymoon with his beautiful wife they heard the the theme song yeah, so. yeah, they heard. They're in, they're in Hawaii, so because I hope they're you. having fun. They're probably listening to this, and he's really, really jealous <laughs> that he didn't get to hang out with his jam <laughs> sesh we just had. Uh, but if for those of you who have never listened before, we are streaming things. We I'm not even going through the whole thing because I don't have it written down. For me. But we give you a beacon of broadcasting content. We give you our seas. Yes. You know, yeah, fuck it. We're creaming it, guys. <laughs> We're creaming it. If you guys don't know what that means. A couple years ago, Andy, Chris had to do something. So it was just Andy and I left our own devices <laughs> to record an episode. And what did we do? We drank Fireball Simmon whiskey and we just, got drunk and just bullshitted our way through. And since and so Chris, what are we doing this time, Steve? We're drinking fireball cinnamon whiskey and we're going to bullshit our way through an episode here. We got our first shot of the episode. Let's let's clink it in front of the microphone so they can hear. There we go. Down the Cheers, hatch, my brother. friend. Oh, oh man. Okay. All right. I'm going to put my glass back to you just in case we need to do a reload. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, so welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Wait a minute. Sorry we didn't have an episode last week. We uh, had very, very busy lives. There was only one day that we could manage to record, and so we decided to focus on the Patreon for that recording. And so, for our Patreon members, go check out our uh, deep dive into the Lord of the Rings Return or the Two Towers, the Two Towers, yeah, extended edition. But also, stay tuned for the Return of the King recording when we record that when our King Chris returns. Yes, he has my bow <laughs> and my axe. Uh, and if you would like to get in on the ground level of our Patreon, we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff, doing a lot of deep dives on some of your favorite properties. We're wrapping up the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know what we uh, decide to do next. Uh, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash streaming things and uh, donate at least $5 or above. $5 and above will allow you to get access to the bonus content that we just talked about. You can be super cool and do that just like these fine folks who are Patreon producers newest member of the patreon producers he literally just became a producer not 10 minutes before we sat down to record and that's daniel hey daniel thank you oh man you're getting a you guys are getting a nice this is why you need to become a patreon member because andy will sing to you uh we have cake cake thank you cake I don't know. I say that I say that on my birthday every year. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you cake. cake. Uh, we have, of course, Enza. Enza, we love you. That's true. Oh my gosh, we do. Who else do we love? We love Carrie. Go, Carrie. <laughs> 
go Carrie. <laughs> and then we, of course, an OG of the podcast, Carmelita. Carmelita. Bom, bom. thought you were going to do more of that and then you just started bobbing Come your head oh there we go there we go there it is and last but certainly not and certainly not least our uh very first patron and that is of course phil who we will we will not be thanking because fuck that guy no i'm kidding i love phil he's my best friend phil phil that was great uh, if you cannot afford to toss a couple bucks every month on Patreon, that's totally okay. We love you still. Uh, but you can, in fact, so interact with us by emailing us at streaming. I'm sorry, streamingthingspod at gmo.com. You can interact with us on Twitter at streamthingpod. Or uh, you can give us a phone call at 859-757-405. And again, if you are an international listener, uh, just uh, call that number on Skype and you won't be charged those pesky, pesky uh, I super fees. hope that's true because I have no means of testing it to know for sure that it's true. I've just heard that that's the case. Well, I hope we haven't been lying to everybody this whole goddamn time. <laughs> well, we'll find out soon. <laughs> I love how you just bring that to the table now after, <laughs> fuck, a month and a half of saying that. That's... that's- <laughs> Totally on brand for streaming things. That is very on brand for streaming things. Um, oh, shit. We've got an excellent podcast in store for you, for you, for you guys. I can't fucking talk. I've taken one goddamn shot of Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey, and I can't talk. I think it's more the nerves. Yeah, I believe you said that we are frapping up the Lord of the Rings earlier, and I, was, I? I just okay. let it slide. But uh, well, I, obviously, I didn't. I brought it up just now. I truly think it's more nerves because, let me just say, there is a reason that Chris hosts. Yeah, he is a and, champion at what he does. Yeah. Chris, we miss you. And as you can tell, we need you. We need you because um, I'm, you know, Andy and I are usually just there in the background to every now and then pipe in and say a dick choke every 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. But Chris is really the 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 solid, the solid foundation of which this show is built. You know, he called you the cock and balls, and that might be true, but he is the libido. he's the soup to nuts. He's uh, <laughs> the soup to nuts. Yes, <laughs> he is the baker's dozen of streaming yes. things. The Baker's Dozen. Um, but if but thank you for joining this episode. We've got a, a lot of stuff to cover. We put out a Twitter poll, or at least I put out a Twitter poll on my uh, Twitter, kind of asking people, you know, what would you like to hear us talk about this week? And the options were Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings, the newest film from Marvel, Candyman, Candyman. or just creaming it. <laughs> To Electric Boogaloo. And I am happy to report that Shang-Chi and Just Cream It were tied, and Candyman was very close behind. But uh, because of that, we decided to just do all three. All three, options, baby. So, what did we do today, Andy? Man, we had a double feature day. We met up pretty early. It was like two o'clock. We went to the movies, we saw Candyman. Uh, and then we had like a little hour break. We went and got some food, and then we came back to the theater again, round two. Shang-Chi and the, le- is it, and the Legend of the Ten Rings? Yes. Okay. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's a long day, buddy. What, what time is it right now? It is nine o'clock. We got started about two. Yeah. And you didn't sleep at all last night. Yeah. I got like three hours of sleep, dude. So I've been hopped up. I've I, I, I got about a Red Bull and Oreo and the will to fight God or become him. <laughs> fight God or become as, him. As the kids say. Where are you at on that spectrum currently? <laughs> Say. Are you becoming him or are you losing that fight? Uh, uh, right now, I'm probably losing that fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, 
Yeah, I, I'm a little worse for wear at the moment, but it's cool. But I, I'm just happy to be creaming it with you. That's, hey, don't feel bad. Don't don't feel too bad about that, man. Your arms are just too short to box with God. So <laughs> that's okay. I'm like a little Mike in the Mike Tyson game, a little Mac in the Mike Tyson game. Like, eh, 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 come here, you. And he's looking at he's he's. He, what if God was Mike Tyson? Mario in the background, with that like, like I'm gonna fuck you till you love me. Take you. <laughs> Into Mario. Can was you, that your Mario? Can you, I, well, I, I did. It's me. I, I don't know. Is that close? I mean, I think that's pretty good. But I don't know how, you, how he would say TKO. It's a TKO. TKO. Uh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. That's but boring. you know how he like points and does the TKO when, mm-hmm. when you lose? Yeah. Anyway. Was that a game called Knockout? Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Punch Out. Punch Out. Yeah. I just lost all my gamer cred. That, that you did. Oh, man. Uh, well, what we're going to do, because these are brand new properties, and I know a lot of people are kind of scared about uh, listening to these episodes uh, beforehand if they have not seen the new releases. What we're going to do is we're going to do a normal show. We're going to do crossing streams like we normally do, but just the two of us. We're going to cream it a little bit and just kind of shoot the shit. We're going to give our general um, review, so no spoilers at all, for both Shang-Chi and Candyman. Candyman. And then if you're if you're still sticking around by that point... If you're down... If you're down by that point to keep listening to us, there will be a spoiler section where we will uh, kind of go in deep on our spoiler-filled thoughts on both Candyman and Shanshi. But that Shanshi, Shanshi. But that will be at the very end of the episode. So do not worry. Once you get to the spoiler tag of the episode, and that doesn't interest you, you can just go ahead and flip that bad boy off, and and the episode will be done. You'll get a full episode of content before that. So don't you fret, Boba Fett. <laughs> <All right. laughs> God, I love. Ted Lasso is so good. Uh, and with that in mind, Andy, what should we do first? Should we cream it a little, little bit more or should we go into crossing streams? Let's cream it a little bit, buddy. Okay. We're creaming it, creaming it. We're creaming Oh, man, you left me hanging on that one. Fuck. <laughs> it's well, like when somebody's singing along in the car and then you just turn off the radio. <laughs> That's a fun trick to do. <laughs> Well, we've reloaded our shot glasses. Are we ready to down the hatch one more time? Cheers, brother. Let's, let's clink them. Here we go. Oh, it's so gross. We do this for you. Look what we do for you. This is for the, for the content. For the content. <laughs> Full disclosure to everyone listening. Um, <clears throat> so I don't drink very often. It's not no. something I do uh, that much. I'm also like a very bad drinker in terms of I'm a wuss. So like I don't <laughs> like a lot of alcohol. So when we do shots, I usually like... It, like make a face and like there's a famous uh, story that uh, my friends tell uh gosh i think it was like dude it had to be like 10 or 12 years ago we were drinking at like a college party and it was the first time i had ever done shots of tequila oh no and uh it, it, it's not that bad of a story it could have gone way worse okay but but it's funny because i was already drunk by the time that people were like let's do shots of tequila and, and i'm one of those drunk people that when i'm drunk i'm like okay okay you could come up to me like hey steve let's go kill a guy i'm like let's fucking do it <laughs> fuck that guy, we fuck kill guy. That i don't care let's do it are we having fun it's not fun. <laughs> I thought this is America. <laughs> uh, so they're like, see, let's do some shots. I'm like, let's fucking do it. And they, they put the tequila down. I do the shot of tequila and I immediately start like throwing my, I like ball my hands to a fist. I start just like, 
like punching the air just very frantically and frenetically because it's such a horrible taste that I've never tasted before. Uh, so I've got my mouth all puckered up. I'm throwing my fists wildly in the air. You're like that little kid at the baseball game that has cotton candy for the first time. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah, so good. And uh, my buddies are like, Steve, what are you doing? And without missing a beat, my response was to, was to go, I'm fighting a ghost. <laughs> So doing shots of tequila became, hey, you want to go fight a ghost? Yeah, that's uh, let's that's, go fight some ghosts. Yeah, you want to okay. go fight some ghosts? You're always good for that, Steve. You're always good for just off the cuff, insanely excellent wit, and I, and I, I love Thank that you. about I, you. I don't know about that. I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the Steve. Do you have Do you have a story about the first time you did tequila? Uh, the first time I did tequila, or I, anything in general. Um, I can tell you about the first time that I did. Uh, Goldschlager, which Ooh. is uh, like kind of like Fireball cinnamon whiskey. Yeah. And Goldschlager is the reason that I couldn't fuck with Fireball for the first like five years of its rise to fame. Um, I, it was at a uh, pool party uh, over with uh, some old high school friends. Now, this is shortly after high school, so I was probably like 23 or something. And I drank an exorbitant amount of Goldschlager, which is that's not good for you. Cinnamon whiskey that has little flakes of gold in it. Um, yeah. And like the urban legend is that it the little bits of uh, the gold will like cut your skin, like in your esophagus and let the alcohol seep in quicker. I don't know how true that is. What yeah. I do know is that I blacked out at some point. I woke up like hanging out of the pool, just puking oh, no. bits of gold, like out of the pool, at least. I, oh, like, I did not party foul so bad that I puked all up in the pool. Good man. I've done that, but not this time. But I literally spent probably like four hours in a pool, fully clothed, mind you, not sure how I got in the oh, pool, God. just <laughs> hanging over the side of it, just puking my balls at, and, and I have this like ingrained in my memory image of just my glittering puke because of all the little flakes of gold in it. And it was for that reason, I could not fuck with cinnamon whiskey for probably 10 years. Understandable. And anyway, um, I also smashed a guitar that night. May P or may Pete not Townsend style. Pete Townsend style. I a hundred percent smashed one of my acoustic guitars that night. So anyway, uh, drink responsibly kids. Uh, yeah, seriously, things drink, will happen. drink responsible, responsibly. There's a reason why we do this when Chris is not here. <laughs> <laughs> he would shame us. He would. He would. And it would be kind of dickish for us to do that to, <laughs> to him. Um, but needless to say, I, I kind of, listener, I'm so sorry. I, I kind of needed this kind of bro day with Andy where we go see movies and do all this stuff and, and have a little drink with a friend. I love our bro days, bro. Yeah, because... Um, I've been alluding to it for a lot. Uh, if you've been listening to the show since uh, we came back earlier this year, where I've said, like, I've been dealing with a lot of personal stuff that I can't talk about. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you might have noticed some of the things that I've been saying. I've been super annoyingly vague about what's going on with my situation. Would you be, would you say you've been keeping it secret and keeping it safe? Yes. <laughs> Literally, there's been a wizard. There's a wizard behind me yelling at me the whole time. It's quite cool. No, Gandalf, it's, it's not. It sucks. This isn't cool at all, no. Gandalf. <laughs> um, and, and that also kind of played into why our episode didn't release uh, last week. And that kind of, you know, we obviously had a bad um, <clears throat> schedule 
uh, that week that kind of hindered us being able to do a normal episode, but also my personal problems hindered that as well as hindered the release of the two towers episodes. So for that, I am sorry. I will let you guys in on what it is because I can finally talk about a little bit of it. I'm not going to talk about everything because this is a story that I cannot tell completely alone, but I want to be able to let people know that something is going on. It would be like Mad Libs. I'll fill in the blanks. Go ahead. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun. (laughs) This will be exciting. Uh, So if you have been listening to the show since like 2017, you'll, you'll remember that the very, I think it was the third episode we did, I went away and got married uh, to my wife, Sam. And she was even on the show once. She was on the, uh, what was that, the Chernobyl and um, Good Omens episode she yeah, was on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think she did a couple of Stranger Things too. I don't remember. I think you're right. I think you're right. Season three. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Sam and I have been best friends for a long time. Um, and unfortunately... Life has dealt us a very hard hand over the last several years, and the hand has been especially hard on her. And it's been very difficult for me to kind of watch her go through this, and I've been trying to help her. But just because of the situation that she finds herself into, my help actually exacerbates her situation. Mm -hmm. And it is because of that, and I'm not going to go super in-depth because that is her story to tell and not mine. I can only tell you kind of my perspective vaguely without going too much into it. But we both decided that we're going to uh, separate and get a divorce and sell our house. And so things have been very stressful recently because we're trying to put the house on sale and I've been trying to find a place to live afterwards. We're still, it's it's an amicable separation. We're still best friends. I am doing this mostly because I'm incredibly worried about her and I I just want her to be uh, as safe as can be. And, um, that that's essentially in a nutshell, what's been happening. Uh, my life is going through a huge upheaval. Mm. Um, and, I don't want you to think because we've had several upheavals in the past before on the show. And that's kind of like thrown complete, you know, rocks into the, the it is very schedule. on brand for streaming things. Once it again. is. But um, I, I want to say this right now. That's not going to hinder the show. Really. The only thing that it might hinder is I may have to step away for an episode or two while I sell the house and move into a new apartment. Sure. Um, but other than that, the show isn't going away. Uh, a couple of you have reached out to me on Twitter just to see if I'm okay and if everything's in it and what's going on. And I, I am doing fine. Um, in a strange way, Sam has taught me the skills that I need to rebound from this 10 years ago. She taught, she gave me those skills when I was in an incredibly low point in my life and she saved me. And I, I think it's, uh, it is, um, it would be untrue if I said she did not save my life and I wouldn't be here without her. Mm. Um, and so it is at this point where I'm, I'm going to try to do what I can to help her. And if that means that we have to separate in order to do so, I will do it gladly. Uh, But that's what's been going on. Very rough, uh, but I'll be okay. And the show's not going anywhere. Uh, And, but, but I, but it has been hard. So Andy and I uh, have been uh, seeing movies all day and drinking. (laughs) That was the worst Mad Libs ever. You didn't give me a single blank spot. Okay. uh, Verb. Uh, uh, Dancing. Oh, maybe I should have started the sentence and then give me <laughs> is blank. My wife and I are dancing, dancing because we are very adjective. Oh, no. Hungry. Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. We're dancing because we're very hungry. Oh, shit. Anyway, so sorry to bring the mood down. I just wanted to kind of take a moment to, to say that. 
that my wife and I are dancing because we are very hungry. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> And that's why Ted Lasso hits me so hard. Obviously, Steve, uh, and, I, and I know I can speak for Chris when I say this. We love you very much. And if you need help with your dance or if you need some food, we got you, buddy. Thanks, man. It's, I, 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 know, I love knowing that I've got friends to dance with me and feed me if I need it. <laughs> but enough of that sad stuff. We're here to cream it, baby. Let's do it. Uh, does that mean you want to go into the crossing of streams? Let's cross those streams, dog. All righty. So this is the part of the show where we sit down and we uh, discuss what things we have been streaming this week. This could be old properties, new properties, just whatever we've kind of uh, kind of absorbed in the last week, or I guess the last two weeks since we were off last week. Yeah, true. True that. True um, that. And with that, Andy, you typically go first. So my friend, what have you been streaming? So uh, listeners of the previous episodes will know that the past couple of weeks, I've been doing pretty much nothing but work. Um, so it's, uh, I work at a big university and it has been the move in week and the start of the new semester. And so I have worked literally every day, um, out of 21 days, I worked 20 of them um, and like six of those were doubles. It has been one hell of a marathon, but I have this badass electronic drum kit to show for it. So that's cool. <laughs> Sadly, I spent all of the money that I was making from this overtime before I even started the overtime. And so it felt like way more of a slog than it had to because like it kind of felt like just doing this to break even. But were you blows. able to kind of take all of your frustrations out from working so long on the drum kit? No. Well, I, I haven't had that opportunity yet. But yes, I intend to. But you can't go as hard on it as you would like a, a regular kit, I would assume. I don't know. Like a regular kit, you bust a head, you go buy a new head. Uh, an electronic kit, I don't know what you do if you bust the head. I guess you just buy a new electronic drum kit. Um, but anyway, um, so that I, I, I bring all that up to say is I haven't gotten to watch a whole lot. But I did get to watch something that uh, tangential to a thing that you recommended to me a long time ago. So I was scrolling around on Netflix the other day, and I found something called Memories of a Murderer, the Nielsen Tapes. The Nielsen Tapes. Are you familiar with this? That sounds familiar. Serial killer Dennis Nielsen narrates his life and horrific crimes via a series of chilling audio tapes recorded from his jail cell. So... Uh, Dennis Nielsen or Dez, uh, as his friends oh, know him. Okay. There it is. Yeah, there he uh, is. Uh, Dennis Dez. Nielsen is a uh, United, a, a British uh, serial killer. I almost said a United Kingdom serial killer. That sounds way weirder. <laughs> sounds very formal. <laughs> very well. I mean, I think the British would approve. You know, the English. He's an no. English they're probably like, no. Fuck killer. him. He's he's English. I think he's actually technically Scottish. Uh, hence. Uh, uh, David Tennant playing him. And the other thing that I watched, which was that I only, and only the like very beginning, but I watched some of Des, which was a dramatic adaptation of the story of Dennis Nielsen, the, the United Kingdom serial killer. And basically like the whole thing about Des and why he is famous at all is that he was essentially the most upfront wear it on his sleeve serial killer ever. Like, as soon as they caught him, he was like, oh, yeah, no, I totally killed those people. I killed these other people, too. Go look under my floorboards. Dude, it's fucked up. There's some bodies in there. Go look in my backyard. I burned all these bodies, too. You know, find a bunch of little bone chips and shit. And it was basically like 
instead of looking for a killer, they were looking for victims because he was a type of killer. He was homosexual. And so he frequented gay bars in England uh, at a time when uh, homosexuality was very frowned upon in society. And so these were people in, you know, London, the, the, the underbelly of London, you know, the, the lesser known areas of mm -hmm. London, which is a major fucking city. They were people that didn't have people looking for them, you know? So if they went missing, it was, there was nobody to notice. And so that's how he got away with killing as many people as he did, which was dozens. Uh, how long did he, was he out and about? Uh, I think it, God, you put me on the spot. I think it was close to a decade. It was a pretty long time. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. Um, Where were you on the night of uh, August 3rd, 2015? August 3rd, 20, uh, 2015, I would have most definitely been doing heroin. Objection. <laughs> Irrelevant to this case. Actually, August 3rd, 2015 was like 18 days before I got clean. So. Wow. Yeah. Um, I almost certainly what would have did been I meet doing you? drugs. Uh, 2016 we met? I, you would have met me in 2016. Yes. Because that was my last year of college that I met. You. Okay. So we, 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 uh, that was we like a year shortly after, that after I got clean. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yep. Yep. Interesting. But yeah. So I watched, um, memories of murder and I, I should say in that, and I mentioned it when I read the synopsis from Netflix, a lot of it is narrated by the killer himself. Like he knew that what he was doing was unusual and he it, it was like part unusual of it, well kind of it, that's a that's a fun way to say so, murder <laughs> right I, I meant like he knew that he was going to stand out among serial killers um mm. first off he's whip, whip oh smart. he's referring to being so open about it exactly okay he's I got like you. I got you. look I, kn I know that you know the way this went down is unusual and so like i'm going to take this opportunity to have my claim to fame or whatever my five minutes in the sun um, and so I feel weird about it because like I've always erred on the side of like when you give somebody a platform that gives them the opportunity to be a piece of shit. Um, and that's how we get people like Ben Shapiro or Milos Yiannopoulos or whatever that dude's name oh, is. Oh, yeah. I forgot um, about that guy. Right. And for good reason. Yeah. But um, and so in that regard, like I kind of feel the same way about this. Like, don't give them what they want, because like now that this guy did all these terrible things and he has a show name about him. That's how people are like, Oh, I will get famous too. If I kill some people yeah. and record some tapes, you know? And so I, I don't know. So I'm of two minds about it, but who doesn't love a good serial killer story? Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of truth to what you're saying. Cause I know a lot of people, especially with within recent years have been saying like, instead of putting so much focus on the killers and like mm -hmm. showing their name, I've seen this more in, in reference to like uh mass shooters. Sure. Instead of like kind of, evangelizing them or putting them on a pedestal is like, well, why did they do it? It's more like, let's put the uh, victims on a pedestal and say, look at these, look at the lives these people led and, and mm -hmm. not give a shit about what that piece of shit did. Which is absolutely the way that it should go. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's kind uh, of messed up. They shouldn't even say who the killer was, say who the victims were. Right. Uh, what I'm about you, Steve? What do you mean? Well, I guess the only other thing I've been streaming is, so I have been, uh, rewatching behind the scenes. I might've mentioned it at some point on this show. I've been rewatching, Doctor Who. And so uh, Doctor Who, Jodie Whittaker is the current doctor, the first ever female doctor, and her tenure as the doctor is coming to an end. And I was like, ooh, I really want to watch that. 
And then I was like, well, I can't watch that because I never watched the Peter Capaldi ones. You and gotta I was like, do it. Well, if I'm going to watch the Peter Capaldi ones, I might as well watch the Matt Smith ones because <laughs> Matt Smith is my favorite doctor. I know. He's my favorite doctor. I don't want to hear it. He's the best. David Tennant's great. Do you get a lot of shit for Matt Smith? Being your favorite? Of course I do. I mean, how could I not? Like everybody loves the 10, you know? That's true. And, uh, and for good reason. David Tennant is amazing. He is. I just love the quirkiness of 11. I think there's yeah. this whimsy to him and like kind of this darkness that, uh, um, you don't get with a lot of the other iterations of the doctor. So anyway, I was like, well, since I want to watch Judy Whitaker, I haven't watched Peter Capaldi. I really want to watch Matt Smith because my favorite. I mean, if I'm going to watch Matt Smith, I might as well watch David Tennant too. <laughs> and if I want to watch David Tennant, Chris Eccleston was only on I mean, for he's one right season. There. So, it's like eight episodes. So basically, I just started all over and I've been watching Rose. all of Doctor Who. Rose. Rose Tyler. Excellent. <laughs> fantastic uh, oh that's what it is fantastic <laughs> Damn, i said excellent fantastic i kind of want him to, i want that to be his excellent he has the lame like lnz and geronimo are great but fantastic you know like eh. i almost think his catchphrase is just rose rose <laughs> dude his catchphrase is awkward hand holding he randomly grabs people's hands all the time and i don't like it that's more of just a generic doctor quirk, though, isn't it? Him especially. Okay. Like, he, he's a handsy man, Christopher Eccleston, Mr. Nine. He's the most departured in terms of uh, a look that a doctor has. Yeah, well, I mean, he's got that dope leather jacket. Oh, yeah, it's a good look, but it's like a very dark and, like, soccer hooligan-esque yeah. look, you yeah, know? Yeah, true, true, true. Whereas all the other doctors, like, I have a bow tie, and mm-hmm. I have a weird piece of clothing, mm-hmm. that I have sneakers, I have... Uh, weird sunglasses. You well, I mean, know. he's kind of like the quintessential 90s doctor. You know what I mean? Like, I'm cool, but I'm not. That's true. I could see uh, Eccleston's doctor hanging out at the bar that all the friends are at. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he he would be in the coffee shop. Um, but so I finally finished the Matt Smith run and I am up to Peter Capaldi and I'm on the second episode of him. And I have to say it is heartbreaking and I'm really sad. Every time Peter Capaldi comes up on screen, I'm like, I wish that was Matt Smith. But I know that that's how every fan of Doctor Who feels when their favorite doctor is no longer the doctor. And so this is new for me. Like I watched the Matt Smith stuff back when it came out. And then I was like, oh, he's not the doctor anymore. And I'm done. And so I I, I never, (laughs) like I saw attack eyebrows in the uh, what's that? What was that called? The day of the doctor, the. The big, oh, where they were the all together. Anniversary yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a good episode. Or, was, yeah, that was really cool. Do you consider that an episode or a m- movie? Uh, I mean, it was like an hour and 20 minutes. Okay. Like it was, I, I would call it a special. I don't know if I would call it mm, a movie. Was yeah. it in theaters? It was. I saw it in theaters the first time. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Damn, that would have been cool. It was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, it's end of an era for me. I, I love the 11th Doctor. I think he's the best. Dude, stick with it. Uh, Bow ties are cool. Peter Capaldi is one of my favorite like i love all the doctors pretty equally i mean tenet's my favorite but like the others are like right up there like chasing his heels mm-hmm. um but peter capaldi i think his final episode you know all doctors have their kind of final scene where they say goodbye that type of thing mm-hmm. peter capaldi's like breaks me every time david Tennant had the best yeah david Tennant is the best the uh, i don't want to go and stuff but then he got like an episode a whole episode of like going to visit everybody and being like hey see ya oh hey see ya and yeah like, like he had four like farewell episodes yeah, it was crazy but <laughs> but like the he will knock four times or whatever like holy shit was that good yeah so good Uh-oh, i love it God. sorry welcome to doctor who cast 
<laughs> right. Yeah. God damn. Get us talking about Doctor Who. We won't shut up. Of course it was you. You don't matter. So have you seen any of Jodie Whittaker's work? No, not at all. I mean, I, have I seen her in other things? Yes. Yeah, she's uh, great. Another thing with uh, David Tennant. Uh, oh, shit. What was that show called? The Murder Broad Church. Church. Broad Church. Yes. Yeah. That was excellent. And she was excellent in it. And it's funny because um, if you do get to Jodie Whittaker's run of the Doctor, I feel like her Doctor is the most similar to Tennant's Doctor. Which is interesting that they both were on Broadchurch together. She must have picked up the quirks. Yeah, she's she, I like just some the way she says things and really reminds me of a uh, tenant. And that's why I like her as the doctor. It's, it's it, a, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he has this ow, ow, ow yeah. way of talking. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. Platoon of Jadoon on the moon. No, it's not dangerous at all. No. Well, well, it's a little dangerous. Totally. Oh, okay, it's super dangerous. Why me? Wimbly wobbly stuff. Uh, <laughs> this is my timey wine machine. It goes ding when there's stuff. <laughs> I love that show. No, all the doctors like are the individual actors. I think all bring great things to the role and they're always enjoyable. It's more of a, for me, it's a writer's conundrum. Mm. Like I wasn't a super huge fan of like, um, who's the guy that took over for Matt Smith's run. Is that Moffat or is that Davies? Uh, uh, no, Davies was Tenet, and then Moffat took over for right. Matt Smith. I'm not a huge fan of Moffat's writing style. Um, Some of it was amazing. Like, his his stuff doesn't build on each other. His stuff is very serial, which is fine if that's what you're going for. But I I like the, the, the more, like, it's leading to a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, I feel like um, Moffat is kind of a hack when it comes to inventing new alien characters, because it's always like... It like he he struck fucking gold with the uh, the angels, mm-hmm. and then like, he just kept bringing them back. And he just keep, well, he keeps bringing it back, but he also keeps fucking doing it. Like, oh, this is the silence. If you don't look at him, you forget about him. Yeah. Oh, this is that weird monster in the in the room. If you don't look at it, you forget about it. <laughs> oh, this is this monster. If you're not looking at it, you can't hear it. And it's like, okay, we get it, <laughs> dude. You had that one good idea. You look at things. I don't know. I thought the silence <laughs> were cool because it had that thing where it's like we're gonna mark our arm if we find them, and then it cuts to like they're looking around and they look back at themselves and they have marks all over the body and shit yeah. like that was neat yeah the, the silence were cool to establish there was an like, unreliable protagonist is pretty yeah. awesome but there were like three other aliens during his run that had similar yeah similar gimmicks yeah. so it, well, like, at least he didn't lessened. have the farty pigs you know what i mean the farty pigs farty pigs <laughs> i forget about those <laughs> uh was that was this, is that anything else you've been streaming that's pretty much been it mm-hmm. man all right uh well i have a similarly small list of things to go through um obviously we've both been streaming ted lasso of course continues to be great i've been continuing with marvel's what if um which is a show that i think is cool for the most part uh i like the ideas they're coming out with it's just not really sticking with me other than that um what if t'challa was star lord i really liked that episode but all the other ones are kind of like oh this is fun whatever Mm -hmm. um I did, however, we started, I, I think, uh, in the previous episode, I mentioned how I was a part of a fantasy football league. Yes. And thanks to Marvel's What If, I just I came up with the the name for my team this year, which was Marvel's What If Steve Beats You. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I only, I've, I'm in two leagues this year. I named myself in one league. I'm just here for the chicken wings. And I, I have not decided on the last year. I, I was in the Super Bowl of Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy, Jesus, of uh, fantasy football. And I lost. So I came in second place. But I was called the Dingle Cherries in that one. The Dingle Cherries. And so I might have to resurrect the Dingle Cherries and go go with that name again this year. 
That's my favorite part every year of uh, fantasy football is coming up with the name. All right. I have a different name every year. Do you, do you stick with Dingle Cherries or? I, well, last year was the first year I did it. So it was uh, uh, Dingle Cherry. Well, no, that's not true. Two years ago was the first year I did it. So yeah, I stuck with Dingle Cherries twice. Now this year I'm doing uh, an additional team and that's, I'm here for the chicken wings. So I don't know. I, I uh, one year, uh, one, when uh, that Lizzo album came out and that was like all the rage a couple years ago, my team was a hundred percent that bitch. Uh, Hell yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I might take just Cleveland Indians. I mean, that name's not taken anymore. <laughs> Andy, don't be racist. Oh <laughs> uh, shit. Uh, but, um, the big thing that I've been streaming this week, uh, is a, it's an older show, but it checks out. Uh, so my mom retired not too long ago and, um, you know, she's retired. She doesn't have a lot to do. She's stuck at home mainly with her with her dog, and her dog recently passed away. R.I.P. Cody. Oh, um, and sure. so, like, I had been going over and seeing my mom a little bit, and she's been on my mind a lot because I've been worried about her. She did get another dog two weeks ago, and it's the cutest goddamn thing in the world. It's a, toy, yeah. it's a toy poodle. It's like four pounds. It's What's its name? Sparky. I love Sparky. Uh, his name totally matches his personality. He's a little, he's a little fire, fire, fireball whiskey. Uh, <laughs> you said that perfectly. Yeah. Fire, fire, fireball, fireball whiskey. whiskey. He loves uh, you, puppy. <laughs> <laughs> but she's been on my mind a lot. So I started watching one of her favorite shows. Uh, I've been streaming it on Amazon Prime. It's a show that started in 2006. It ran through 2014, but every now and then a movie still comes out for this show. And that is a show called psych psych do okay. you know psych no I, I i'm aware that it exists but i've never watched it so psych is like uh it's like a procedural crime dramedy mm-hmm. uh starring um shoot what's his name it's uh james rode rodriguez and julie hill i hope i'm pronouncing that right uh but essentially uh it's this main character sean and gus uh sean is this guy he you know how like in the mid 2000s it was all the rage to have these um uh, these procedural crime dramas where like the the main protagonist was like just super good at like oh that guy has crumbs on his shirt that means he's been eating a creme brulee at this specific restaurant yeah, that yeah. only has that type of crumb i think of uh lie to me with tim roth yeah if you lie to me. That. yep like very much up that alley uh was numbers like that as well uh, i never watched numbers network tv was lousy with these things in the yeah. mid 2000s they were so prevalent and this was kind of uh i think this originally aired on usa and it was kind of like their their method of kind of getting in on that trend, but also poking fun at it. So, uh, Sean played by James Roday Rodriguez. He is this guy who's very, very perceptive and he has that skill that all those other protagonists do, but he's not a police officer. Um, uh, but he likes kind of the glory and the attention from it. So he pretends to be a psychic and he's like going in, he's like, Oh, I'm having a vision. You are pretending or you are practicing dancing because your wedding's coming up this weekend. Like, how did you know? And it's like, Oh, cause he saw that guy practicing dance moves like a a minute before. Cool. I like that. And his buddy Gus is like his best friend. Who's like his business associate, according to the, the force, but he knows he's faking it. And they're just kind of like this, these two guys were kind of like very Sherlock and Watson. Yeah. And it's a comedy more so than anything. Like uh, James Roday is a very almost like Chris Pratt esque character. Who's kind of like super cocky and uh, goofy and silly and all the other uh, police officers like, can't really stand them but you know the work speaks for itself and it's an hour long and and they're pretty funny like the the second episode involves murders that are happening at a children's spelling bee and that's super funny (laughs) (laughs) 
and like what, spell death like the the guy that like is up in the rafters that's like spell onomatopoeia uh he gets like poisoned or something and they're up there trying to like figure out like oh like they he dies in front of them they're like what happened what happened but the, the camera's like, it's time for the word. Say the word. And they don't know that guy's dead yet. So James Roday gets on the microphone. It's like, banana. <laughs> and the little kid on stage is like, can you use it in a sentence? <laughs> I want to go to the store and eat a banana. A banana. <laughs> and it's, it's just silly shit like that. Uh, so it's a lot of fun. It's very lighthearted. It's exactly the type of thing that I need at the moment. And also it's a nice way to bond with my mom. Cause I'll text her like, guess what I'm watching mother. mother. And she's like, I'm proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is all I live for is my right. mother's validation. <laughs> um, but that, you know, is basically what I've been streaming well, yeah. this week. So it's good. So with that, uh, let's move into our uh, spoiler-free reviews. We're going to do Candyman first, then we're going to do Shang-Chi and Candyman, and then we're going to do Legend of the Ten Ring Shang-Chi, and then we'll do the spoiler versions after that. So stay tuned, because we're just doing spoiler-free overall impressions of the movies. go all right everybody <laughs> that's some uh sammy davis jr there for you oh yeah don't you love it um this obviously this is leading into the the spoiler free review of candy man play it sammy looking at the sunrise i really don't know the rest of the song i don't either <laughs> well andy um so we saw candy man we did in uh, theaters what, the, first off, kind of describe what the uh, the experience in the theater was like, because it was kind of an interesting one for us. So there were a bunch of seats, right? And they had recliners. They were reclining oh, seats. Listeners. Oh, you're going real deep in this. That screen, it was probably like at least bigger than my TV. Like it was it, it was a big screen. <laughs> no, so uh, Candyman. Um, I didn't know you were going to go that in depth. <laughs> Candyman was actually pretty packed, dude. I was kind of stoked mm-hmm. um we saw it at 2 p.m so or like 2 20 or something it was early uh it was definitely a matinee showing and there were a lot of people i i will say this watching a horror movie early in the day is weird when you get out of the movie it's like still light out and you're like oh i'm in kind of a weird mindset now and it's only five o'clock you're and in a dark still, mindset but it's still bright outside right right exactly but so um there were very obviously, and I, what I assume you're alluding to, very obviously a large group of teenagers that snuck into the movie. Uh, and Even set, children. And yeah, very, very lot of, young people. A lot of family members bringing their young kids to this movie, which to was interesting. Which was pretty gruesome movie. Uh, and so they talked the entire movie to the point where at times I was unsure whether I was hearing them or if it was like in the mix of the audio. Yeah. There were a couple of times where it kind of fit like, yeah. Oh, interesting choice to put children just percolating in the background (laughs) (laughs) until the end when it's like, but I want to see Candyman. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, they're finally dragging that one kid out and he's like, but I want to see Candyman. And we're like, we all do son. We all do. Uh, One dude spoke up. And said, shut the fuck up. And they, those kids were not phased. Unfazed. Unfazed. Uh, the balls on them. <laughs> I kind of respected it after that. Once they drop, the balls on them. <laughs> uh, 
But yeah. But uh, it was interesting. Like you brought up a good point where, cause it sounded like it was in the mix and we kind of had this like, whoa, if we ever get famous and we ever get big and we make a horror film, we're just going to put like what sounds like normal children, just having a normal conversation mm-hmm. on one of the channels of the surround sound. Just so you think someone in the theater is talking so that your anxiety gets up because you're like, why are they talking? You want to start to yell, shut the fuck up, but yeah, you're not gonna cause you don't want to be that guy. That would be such, I'm surprised no one's tried doing that in a movie before because that is such an anxiety and inducing thing that you can easily do and uh you could really make your audience really fucking right right (laughs) that's some fucking andy kaufman shit right there hell yeah um but yeah dude Candyman was awesome it was really good it had uh first off i i I have to admit i have never seen the original Candyman, or if i have seen it i do not remember it I, i remember the cover of it very clearly walking past it in the horror section of movie warehouse way back in the day but I don't know that I ever actually watched it. And so I did not know until after finishing the movie and talking to you how much of a sequel it is. I thought it was kind of like a reimagining of Candyman. But based on what you described to me, it was full on just a sequel. And that yeah. to me is awesome because based entirely on what you said, it sounds like it worked really effectively as a sequel. But having never seen the original, it worked completely well as a standalone Candyman movie. And I thought that the writing was tight as hell. I thought that it was very poignant. Um, sometimes a little on the nose, like it very much is about uh, gentrification and uh, the black experience uh, in uh, low income housing areas and police brutality and police brutality and stuff. And so it's hard for me to call it on the nose because I am a white man. And so it is not my experience that I'm watching displayed on screen. Um, so it's hard to say. Uh, so maybe I should just retract saying that it was on the nose, but it, it, it seemed like it, it was heavy handed at times. Um, now, that said, I think that it was had some of the most effective visual storytelling and I've seen in a horror movie in a very long time. I would put it up there with like it follows on the uh, cinematic horror scale, which it follows, I think is uh, up near, if not the pinnacle of uh, horror cinematography. Mm-hmm. Just the conceit of it follows just makes you take in the entire screen at all times. It's brilliant. It's such a good movie. But so Candyman had some of the best cinematography I've seen in a, in a long time. It was very, uh, very much an homage to uh, kind of 70s uh thriller movies uh a lot of slow zooms uh in lieu of like push-ins that uh, a modern filmmaker would use there's a whole whole lot of zooms going on um and it, it really gave me the feel of watching like you know uh a nightmare on elm street or something you know what i mean uh very mm. uh very 70s horror feeling feel to it but obviously with a modern setting and modern actors and uh obviously modern effects i think that some of the uh some of the effects that they used with like you know the whole conceit of Candyman is that you stand in front of a mirror and speak his name five times and say my name say my name uh and then he will uh appear within the mirror and kill you and so they what was the so that's always been kind of like a, a an urban legend you know growing up growing up in my area it was a bloody mary bloody mary is the same one that i had yeah. okay I, i'm I, I i that's why that i think everybody 
can relate to this story is just because like I think I think everyone has a similar. I know there's like different parts of the country has a different mm-hmm. person or myth behind that myth of standing in front of a mirror and saying their name five times. Well, mirrors are disconcerting, man. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it, it, it is very much like a uh, a reversal on uh, reality as you know it, and you know mirrors are crazy. So it makes sense that there would be urban legends that would stem from that. But um, some of the fun that they had with the conceit of him appearing in mirrors was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that it suffered a little bit from an overexposure of the bad guy uh, showing us Candyman a lot made him less scary. And there was like one at one point we see him for a very prolonged period of time, basically doing like a mime thing, like, somebody's looking in the mirror and doing things and Candyman's in the other side of the mirror doing the same things. And like, usually that happens in like a comedy, you know what I mean? Or if it happens in a horror, it's a lot shorter when mm-hmm. that happens before the big scare or the jump or whatever occurs. Um, so I feel like they would have benefited to have a little more of the, uh, Steven Spielberg approach to it. Like jaws, you know, the shark is scary because you don't see the shark. Um, but, that minor quibble aside, I thought the Candyman was fucking fantastic, man. It was a really good horror movie. Yeah, I I would agree with you. Uh, so famously, I'm, I'm not super huge in on horror films, uh, but I do like. I I really appreciate a horror film if it has something to say. Mm-hmm. That's with most movies, but like if a horror film can do that, that that's always very impressive to me. And this movie definitely has a lot to say. And kind of going back to your point of where you thought maybe the film was uh, heavy handed in its messaging, I think that's purposeful. Okay, uh, because a big part of the movie is about how the black experience is silenced, and so a big message that they're trying to say, you know, say my name, you know, remember the story, like spread this story. So people don't forget, um, which I think is what they're kind of going for. Um, the, everything you've said about, uh, you know, the, the, the seventies zooms, you know, I completely agree. They've got some beauty. It's a beautiful movie. The way it's filmed, the cinematography is great. There's a lot of beautiful wide shots in the, one of the first scenes, it's the, uh, title card scene. It's, um, I assume they're on a car driving through a city, but they have the, so if the car is going forward down a street, the camera is pointed up in the air, but slightly back towards where the car is heading away from. Mm -hmm. And it's pointing up at these skyscrapers in the city in the fog. And it's one of the craziest, most haunting looking angles. Uh, Remind me a little bit of the green Knight. I feel like they did mm-hmm. something similar in the opening to that. And uh, the uh, production companies, when they original, or when they first popped up on screen, oh, they yeah. were they were all in reverse, like Universal was. Looking in a mirror. You. Um, yeah, it was all mirror images of that. And they did it for all of them. It was like Universal and then uh, Blumhouse and then or Monkey, Paul, Monkey Paul. And then I can't remember what the other one was, but all of them were so- or completely mirrored. That was, that was pretty badass. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a... It's a gory film, but it's not, I didn't think I was expecting a lot worse uh, mm-hmm. because I have seen the original Candyman. Granted, I saw it, I've seen it once and I saw it when I was way too young to watch it to the point where I don't remember too much of it, but there's a, you know, spoilers for the very first Candyman from 1991 or 1992. Um, the, one of the characters at the end burns alive in a fire and I remember being young and watching that and that just being seared in my brain as one of the most 
awful and like haunting and just disturbing things I'd ever seen, especially at that point in my life. And it's one of those things where like to this day, I still think of it every now and then, like, man, that was really fucked up. I'm yeah. interested in, in rewatching it to see if it's really as bad as I remember it being. Yeah. Uh, but to your point, I was surprised because I, I too going into this thought, this was just a reimagining of that, that franchise of Candyman. Uh, but really it is a sequel to that original movie. Cause they talk about the original events a lot. Like they, they mention the main character, uh, pretty often. Um, they obviously got, um, what's his name? Toby. Wow. He's not like the first person on here at uh, Toby. Something is the guy who plays Candyman. He's like not in the fucking. So IMDb. was he the one that was pay- playing Candyman in this one? Yeah. Like, so he, like he was the older man. Yeah. So he's in the suit with the, the hook hand. Um, and he's like giving the kid candy in the very beginning of the movie. Tony Todd, Tony Todd. Yes. Um, they got him to reprise the role. Um, and you, you know, I, I agree with you that like maybe less is more in terms of seeing him because the most effective scenes in the movie are when he's like attacking somebody and that person does not see anybody like to them. It's just this invisible force that's you know, cutting him up or whatever. But in every single reflection in the scene, you can see mm-hmm. you can see him. You have great use of mirrors. It's, it's really well done. Um, what I will say, what kind of stops this movie from being like a uh, a 10 out of 10 for me is really there's the third like act. the third act, but more specifically, there's like a good 15 minutes where the movie makes no goddamn sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like, I understand like plot beat wise, it's fine. Like it makes sense, but the way it's visually shown and the way the pacing and blocking is, mm-hmm. it's very, very, um, it's like they didn't have enough footage to convey what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Almost as if like, I don't, I don't, I know this movie was supposed to come out during the pandemic and it didn't, and it's just now being released. Um, it almost makes me wonder, and I don't know anything if this is true or not, but it almost makes me wonder if maybe they like didn't get to shoot everything that they wanted to shoot. Maybe there's stuff missing because there really is a lot happening in that 10 minutes towards the end where it's like, wait a minute, how did they get there? Where do we get that? What, wait, why is the, how's that guy got a stab wound all of a sudden? Yeah. Um, oh, this person's doing this now. It's very confusing mm-hmm. in where they get from point A to point B towards the end. Well, and I then the like- final scene's fine. It's, it's the final scene's good and it kind of brings it home. Yeah. I, the, the, the analysis I have to this movie is it's a, it's an Olympic hundred meter yard sprinter and they're fucking crushing it. They're like so far ahead of everybody in their competition. They're sprinting and sprinting and they literally get right to the very end of the finish line, trip, fall flat on their face, but their face lands over the finish line. <laughs> so they win. So they fucking win, but it wasn't pretty. They lost a couple teeth in uh, the process. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really like there's I can't really say anything bad about this movie except that 10 minutes right towards the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it suffers from what a lot of horror movies do where they try too hard to explain why like, mm. okay, it's a zombie movie. So now here's 15 minutes of, okay, this scientist was doing this experiment and he shouldn't have been, and he accidentally mixed these chemicals and obviously there's something bad about it. And then, oops, he accidentally poked himself with a syringe and da, da, da. It's like, it's a zombie movie. I don't care. <laughs> you, you don't have to explain to me why zombies are there. You know what I mean? Um, and that happens a lot with uh, especially supernatural horror where they go out of their way to say, oh, look at this seance and the deep guilt or um, grievance that this mother had. And she sought out these Satanists and therefore she 
went through this seance and she summoned this ghost and 50 years later that ghost is you know possessing this child and that's the child that was doing all the shit in the movie you just watched it's like i don't care and you just <laughs> lost me for a long time yeah and now this movie kind of blows and it almost always happens in the third act mm -hmm. where it's the reveal of what came before and why and um and there's a fine line, you know, I mean, like, depending on the premise of a horror movie, sometimes you need that. You know, if you came up with a genuinely original idea for a horror monster, if you will, uh, you, you kind of have to have a little bit of a backstory to it just to, you know, give it credence, give it give it a reason to be. Mm -hmm. But you just run into it so much. Like in this case, it was we like you said, the Bloody Mary is a thing. Urban legends of the mirror are a thing. We don't need, hey, here's, you know, and, and we can get into that a little bit in spoilers, but hey, here's why. You know, we, we didn't need it in this case. I, don't, I, I would push back on the here's why specifically for Candyman's, um, mm -hmm. but I know what you're saying. And, well, for, I think especially me, in this for circumstance. For me, there's a, there's a wrinkle added in in that third act that I don't need, like, their, their explanation for why things were the way they are mm -hmm. makes sense, but then they add this wrinkle with a very specific character right at the very end was like, uh, okay. I, right. I really don't understand what this motivation is, but sure. Um, but I think that's a valid criticism, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll get into it. In spoilers. But overall, overall, you, I you loved it. it. Nine out of 10, man. It was excellent. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I, I high, highly recommend people to go check it out. Um, uh, if you're a, a dick bag, I can see you being very triggered by this movie, but, uh, fuck yeah. you if you are. So, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> uh, with that, let's shift gears to our uh, spoiler fear review of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I don't have any music queued up for that, but what I do have, oh, actually what you have, Andy, is you have reloaded our shot glasses. So, Cheers, brother man. Alan Z, buddy. Geronimo. Geronimo. Oh, I didn't finish it. Oh, well, more for later. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Can you believe, Andy, not counting the Marvel TV shows that are on DV, uh, Disney Plus, this is the 25th Marvel movie. Is it really? Yeah. 25. Yeah. So 25 live action. Like these are all like the full on the Marvel movie stuff. Yeah. Like, beginning with Iron Man and up to Avengers. Yep. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Wow. I feel like I had to have missed. I thought I only missed a couple, but I feel like I had to have missed more than that. Which ones have you missed? So I definitely never saw the second Thor because the first Thor I did not. I know you like the first Thor. I do like the first Thor. I don't. The second Thor um, is, however, trash. I heard it was trash, so I never watched it because I didn't like the first one. Uh, I never saw Captain America and the Winter Soldier, which I hear is one of the what? best ones. Are you fucking me right now? <laughs> Am I fucking you right now? <laughs> no, but we can after we're done recording. A little more fireball. Oh my God, uh, Andy. That is, dude, uh, Patreon listeners, throw that up as what we got to watch next. Holy shit. Is it that good? It's really good. I've seen like the beginning, like George St. Pierre, the MMA fighter is in the beginning, like fighting on the boat and stuff. I was like, hey, that's GSP. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. The Leaper. <laughs> the Leaper. I, <laughs> I never finished it. But anyway. It's like a uh, 70s uh, political thriller. Sure. <laughs> it really is. Like, it's it's much. So that oh, was. Oh, okay. I thought that, that was, was the whole thing about. No, that George was really. That was really when uh, Marvel was trying to make all their movies like a different genre of movie. And Winter mm -hmm. Soldier was a 70s political thriller. Okay. Similar to how, like, the first Ant-Man is a heist film. Um, yeah. Yeah. True. Oh, my God. First Ant-Man so good. Yeah, it really is. I wish they would have let Edgar Wright direct it, though, because it would have been so much better. Uh, but yeah, so 25 is a metric shit ton. 
so before we get into, you know, exactly what we thought about it, just general consensus, where would you kind of like ballpark it? All right. Where would you kind of place Legend of the Ten Rings and Chang-Chi on your list of Marvel movies? I would say upper middle. Upper middle. Okay. Upper middle. Um, I think that it had fantastic choreography. I think that they made really good use of the conceits of the of the movie. You know, um, the way the rings worked, um, the uh, dynamic between the characters. I I feel like they were really fleshed out and I feel like I knew all of the characters really well. Um, I think that when it leans into its more fantastical side, they went there. It may not have worked for me, but they went there. They took a swing. They absolutely took a swing. Um, Speaking of swings, I'm going to finish this off. Let's do it. (laughs) I think that it also had probably the worst score of any Marvel movie ever. Oh, dude. It was trash. This is one of the worst musical scores in a movie I've ever heard. It was really bad. Um, Talk about... um, the, whoever was in charge of doing the music, they really let the directors, the stunt choreographers, the actors, everyone who was making the visuals, they really hung them out to dry on a lot of scenes because there's a lot of scenes that are, you know, visually working. They're landing, they're achieving mm-hmm. what they're trying to do, but this music is just undercutting everything at every possible moment. It felt like a score that was made before the movie was finished fil- filming. You know what I mean? It sounds um, like they got it from like an audio library on mm-hmm. Soundstripe or fucking Audio Jungle or something. Yeah, the, the, like the movements of the music did nothing to lend themselves to the action on screen. And that is what a score is meant to do. And in in that regard, it absolutely failed. Um, now, that said, uh, like like I was saying, it, it ha- I had a blast with the choreography. Um, I had a blast with uh, like the character dynamics. I, a, a lot of the comedy didn't land for me. But they went for it. That's cool. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I, I would say upper middle. Um, and all, all in all, I had fun with it. And I, and I like where it's leading things. I like that uh, Marvel is going to lean a little more into the fantastical side of Marvel. You know, it's I can't say it's been grounded in reality. You know, I mean, it's aliens that are coming and sure blowing up the world and stuff. But but that's something that seems with every movie Marvel has been progressing how incredible this world is because it starts off with just a guy who just made a, cra- a crazy suit yeah exactly now there's aliens and alternate timelines and alternate dimensions and magic and tony stark built this in a cave Buck scraps. <laughs> i love that so much i love it did uh, someone make that into a song recently yes on tiktok the dude had like fucking trombone tony stark built this with a cave oh shit but yeah uh how would you rank it uh, personally, I would rank this at uh, lower middle or high lower. High lower, okay. Um, which is a shame because I, you know, when we watched this movie, I leaned to you right when the movie ended. I'm like, dude, first two thirds of that movie, I was really into. I was mm-hmm. digging it. Like you said, the fight choreography is maybe the best fight choreography in any Marvel movie, hands down. It's not even close. Yeah. The you know, only thing that I would say was above that is fucking Daredevil. Yeah, Mar- Marvel Netflix. I was about to say that, like, and I like I was comparing it to the movies, not the TV shows. Mm-hmm. If you count the TV shows, then Daredevil's better. Yeah, uh, but it's really, really well done choreography. I highly enjoy Simu Liu. Is that how you pronounce uh, the guy who plays Shang Chi? Uh, yes, Simu Liu. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. But Aquafina's great. I am a. I over the past couple years, I've realized I'm a huge Aquafina fan. So going into this movie, I literally knew nothing about the character. Same. All I knew was that Aquafina was in it 
And I'm like, you got my ticket. I'll see. It's a Marvel movie with Aquafina. Fuck it. I'm in. Let me see Aquafina. I don't really know Aquafina. Like during, while I was watching the movie, like the only tangentially, the way I know Aquafina is you mentioning Aquafina. <laughs> and so I was watching the movie and I'm like, I think that's Aquafina, but I don't it know. It is. Yeah. And it was. Yeah. I saw that in the credits. I just, I, I think she's really funny. Yeah. Um, and I love the way, like, she she's one of those people that doesn't seem to really care about looking cool ever. So like, like just the way she walks is so like funny to me because mm-hmm. she, she just gets what she is and isn't afraid to be silly and goofy looking, you know? Yeah. Uh, but her, their relationship is really, really great. Um, I loved what they were doing with the, how the 10 rings looked visually in terms of like how they were used in battle. Yeah, that was was badass. It was very kinetic, very, uh, there's a lot of like just power behind it. Like you really, Mm. when they were using it, you kind of felt because there's like- The sound design there was good. Yeah, you've got like the electric, the electrical like cackling of the power that's going through them. But really like, because you understand there's like metallic rings in there, you can kind of really feel the impact that it's throwing out, Mm -hmm. you know? And they use it in pretty interesting ways. Um yeah, I like how they used it for, like, travel and shit. I'm a big sucker for travel mechanics, like, yeah. in games and movies and stuff. Like, if something has a grapple hook in a game, I'm sold. Man. I'm going to play that game. Like, uh, I could see the Ten Rings being a power in, like, Infamous, if you ever played, like, the yeah, Infamous totally, games right? on PlayStation. Um, but, uh, so, but continuing on, like, the, the action was so good in the beginning, like, the, the bus fight. Uh, the fight that they had on the the scaffolding was really, really great. You get to see this really cool world that they're in when it's more in line with the real world. But there's a point in the movie where it kind of becomes, it takes this giant leap into fantastical. You go into like another realm and whatnot. Um, And that is where the movie utterly and completely loses me. Yep. Because it just throws all this crazy shit at you all at once. It's just exposition, exposition dump after exposition dump right at the end and it really just kind of grinds the movie to the halt and that last third act feels like forever yeah and it's all just a cgi monstrosity and it feels nothing's it real feels like it came out of nowhere the things that go down there yeah i'm like what it's like hey i know we've been talking about this bad guy this whole time but really there's a giant monster over there yeah and it's like okay i don't all right whatever <laughs> not the movie i signed up for um, and it, which is really unfortunate because I was really, really digging it. And the last third act really, really hampered it. That being said, I still enjoy this, uh, franchise and I'm actually incredibly excited for the, if the sequel, if they make a sequel, mm-hmm. which I assume they will, because they've got the origin story bullshit out of the way. And so that now they can go back to what was really cool in the first and second act and bring Shang-Chi into the real world with his, with his power set. Yeah. That's what I want to see. Uh, cause like I said, that shit was super dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like this was just kind of a necessary movie to introduce this guy into the Marvel universe, you know? Yeah. Um, but they went there, you know, and yeah. didn't land for a solid chunk there at the end. And that being said, the another good thing I think about this movie is that you can definitely, cause there's that, um, sort of criticism about all the other Marvel films is that they all look the same and feel the same. Mm-hmm. And this one, I mean, the quirky jokes are still there, mm-hmm. but visually it's very different. Yeah. I've, I felt like it had its own style for sure. Yeah. It, the colors are muted in certain ways, but vibrant in others. Mm-hmm. 
it's that's hard to explain, but you know what I mean? No, I get it. Like pronounced yellows, I think in, mm-hmm. in the, um, color design in editing. Yeah. Uh, but it's like skin tones are a little washed out. Kind of muted. Yeah, absolutely. But when you have these um, touches of color, when they make sense to pop, they pop kind of a low contrast. They didn't crush the blacks, mm-hmm. but, uh, I mean, visually I thought it looked great for sure. Yeah. And I think that that style that slightly washed out lends itself to uh, special effects heavy. Um, it, I, I feel like it doesn't stand out as much when uh, something fake appears on screen, but that might just be me. Yeah, I would agree because there was a lot of fake things in this movie. <laughs> a shitload, for sure. <laughs> and for the most part, I thought these special effects landed, you know, except for at the end yeah. where, again, the fantasy side of it went hard. Mm-hmm. Um, there were, yeah, a couple parts that didn't, but overall, I, I, I thought it looked great. Well, it sounds like we're kind of getting into spoiler territory. So I'm going to go ahead and hit this button. So listener, we're going to get into spoiler territory. So if you were one of those people who did not want to hear spoilers, go ahead and bounce out now. That's totally okay. If you want to support the show, go to Patreon and all that stuff. We love you. We'll see you next week. But for those of you who have seen these movies and want to see and want to hear what we had to think about them, continue on. We're going to talk about Shang-Chi. I'm going to have show notes in the bottom, by the way. If you look, if you open your podcast app, there will be timestamps. So if you haven't seen Shang-Chi, but you have seen Candyman, you can skip forward to the spoilers for that. Mm -hmm. Because right now we're going to start with Shang-Chi and circle back to Candyman. Candyman. You are entering spoiler territory. You're bullshit. Thank you, Natalie Dyer. Okay, so spoilers for Shang-Chi. What's with the fucking dragon, man? (laughs) I swear to God. Like, so they build up this whole world like, hey, I'm from this ancient family where my dad's basically a god on Earth because he has these rings. And my mom's from this semi-alternate dimension that's still kind of on Earth. And now we have to go there and protect that dimension. And then... At some point, he gets knocked into the water, and he's sinking, he's drowning, and then we cut to the inevitable flashback of him as a boy, and it's like, oh, you're going to be so powerful when you grow up. You're going to have all the strength of your father and all the cunning of your mother, and like you, you take this, and you meld it, and you make it your own, and he's sinking, and then like he's breathing water, and I'm like, oh, okay, like this is a magical world. Maybe he, he has some water powers. This is like the the... Um, Iron Fist, Aquaman. I'll give him the Iron Fist. Mix that we've all been waiting for. You know, oh, you weren't talking about Danny Rand, the Iron Fist? <laughs> no, I was, but I was talking about a mix of that and Aquaman. Okay. That's what, we, what I thought we were about to get. Like, okay, maybe Shang-Chi has, like I said, I don't know what he does. Anyway, then a dragon pops up in the water and I'm like, oh shit, that's a dragon. Oh, okay, cool. This is kind of like this, you know, hallucinogenic metaphor. Uh, metaphor for like his lineage. And, you know, they've talked a lot about the power of the creator and how he, they help the people in this alternate dimension. And then he rides the dragon out of the water and starts fighting people. With a horrible music cue again. Again, yeah. <laughs> the really bad terrible. music cue. And I'm like, oh, the dragon's real. Why? <laughs> Why? Andy, do you not like dragons? I love dragons. uh, Why don't you like this dragon, Andy? I love Game of Thrones. Because there were at no point... This to me, this part of it felt to me like when I watched um, From Dust Till Dawn for the first time. And I'm watching that movie and it's this weird psychological thriller about these two uh, heist men on the run. And, you know, the one has like kind of this like 
mental illness, sexual fetish thing. And the other's like, that was just the, the kind of guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It turned out that was just him playing himself. <laughs> and then halfway through, uh, Quentin Tarantino put down the pen and Robert Rodriguez book picked it up and it became a vampire movie. And I was like, this isn't what I signed up for. That first half was amazing. The second half blows. Do you not like from dust till dawn? I do now. Uh, but the first time I saw it, it, it the you weren't ready for it i wasn't ready for it and, it and it's campy you know what i mean and nothing about the first half is campy anyway we can get into from dust till dawn another time okay i, I have <laughs> since come to love it but the first time i saw it i hated the transition and that was how i felt watching shang chi because i did not sign up for the dragons like th this is not what I expect out, expected out of Marvel. And that's what I was talking about before. We're like, I'm kind of happy that they're leaning into a fantastical side of it. I just felt like they, ought, if they're going to go there, they needed to have set it up a little bit better. You know, it yeah, should. It's really the only real uh, indication that there is a dragon that could appear is through the, uh, what do you call it? The postcard that he thinks he gets from his sister in the mm -hmm. beginning. It has the uh, image of the dragon, but that's literally mm -hmm. the only real clue. And they talk about like the scales of the dragon and stuff. And that's cool. You know I mean? If there was once upon a time dragons in this world, that's fine. You know Yeah, but I mean? he's just been living in the river the whole time. He's just right there. Yeah, he's literally the Loch Ness. That's Kevin. Loch Ness. That's Kevin the dragon. Yeah. Um, so he just likes, he likes the water. He's a water, he's a water dragon. <laughs> right. Right. We can't get him out of there. He's a thirsty boy. He, we, we just cannot get him out of there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, that absolutely killed it for me. Yeah. Actually in the theater, I, I kind of laughed at myself at that scene because I, I saw you have a physical reaction to the dragon. <laughs> you like did this weird, like your body just kind of did this weird little jolt. Like what? <laughs> like almost as I saw your body get offended at the dragon in real Dragons time. are here now. That's, that's going to be a thing from now on. <laughs> yeah. And I mentioned earlier that the third act kind of falls apart. This movie in the third act reminds me of if you took uh, one of the really bad GI Joe movies. I've never seen any of them. So I assume they're all bad, but go ahead. Well, yeah, they're all bad. When I say one of them, I mean, take the pick. <laughs> pick one. Sure. <laughs> uh, if you take one of the G.I. Joe movies and you somehow had a baby with season two of Legend of Korra, if you've ever seen that show, uh, that is the third act of this movie. Mm. And that's not a great thing. Like, I, I can appreciate the wanting to be fantastical, but the world that they created, uh, what was this? What was the world called? It was like Tao Lo. Uh, Tao Lo. Tao Lo. Tao Lo. T-A-L-L-O. It was not a convincing world. Like I really, yeah. there was like a maze there that you like had to 15 people that lived there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was really like this well manicured lawn that led up to a fishing village <laughs> where 15 people live. They're like, Hey, there's a river behind you us get out of here. Uh, you get out of there because, uh, uh, well, Kevin's in the river, but if you get past the river, uh, there's a mountain and there's like a, a portal, but it's more like a, just a cave because there's nothing portally about that. It's just literally a cave. Uh, and there's like a bat. You stay away from that cave though. The battle suck your soul and you, you get out, <laughs> you get out of here right now. <laughs> or, or Kevin's going to have words. If we can get him out of the fucking river, uh, and just all right, Kevin was the name of the the dragon. I forgot. They got like a couple Pokemon that live in the world too. Like, there's definitely a Nine Tails running around there. Up. It's yeah. straight up fucking Nine Tails, dead on. If that if that game company doesn't sue the shit out of Marvel, because yeah. that is literally Nine Tails. Uh, rise up, Pokemon fans. Um, but dozens, it, there are dozens of us. But uh, it really is just it, it's. It's a shame because I can appreciate, like I said, I can appreciate the world that they're going for, 
but it's it's at the same time kind of half-assed. Like they they ran out of money and they're like, we can't afford a a Wakanda, for instance. Yeah, and that's that was how I felt. It felt like a half-assed Black Panther in the world building. Yeah, like I know Wakanda is like supposed to be a real city, but there's like this beautiful. What if there was no white colonialism in Africa? Look at the black excellence that can happen. Mm-hmm. So that would obviously be a society that kind of looks slightly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a lot of thought and, and the design, and art in and black design put into that. There was nominal, none hardly put into this. It was like, okay, we got the stereotypical Chinese dragon. There's uh, some big lion looking things that you've seen in Chinese artwork. Yeah, you've been to a China buffet. Um, there's like a weird pig butt monster that doesn't have a face, but instead of a face, it has, it has a butt. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. We, we haven't mentioned yet. We're in spoilers. The return of Bing Kingsley as, uh, the Mandarin that I did like that was awesome. Cause uh, hot take. I know a lot of people shit on Iron Man three. I actually really like Iron Man three. I have not seen it since it came out in theaters. I'm However, a su- I'm a sucker for a Shane black Christmas film. The whole, uh, right. The whole, uh, Iron Man, the president being in an Iron Man suit felt a little too oh, I forget about that. America go for me. But but, but I, I know a lot of people at the time are really, really upset about the Mandarin reveal. Like, because Ben Kingsley was built up he in the trailers act, yeah. as this, you know, he was supposed to be this evil terrorist leader, the Mandarin, but he turned out to be just like a soccer hooligan. Uh, it sounds like John actor. Yeah, his name's like Trevor Slatter. He's like, oh, I just, they just pay me to do a role with him here. And he's like addicted to drugs and stuff. Right. Well, he finally comes back. In this film, because I don't, did you ever see the one shot Hail to the King? No, what is that? So they made a short film, I think it was on the DVD extras for, I think it was one of the Thor, it might have been Thor 2. Okay. Uh, but it's this short film, it's like 15 minutes long, but it's about Ben Kingsley's character in prison. Uh, and it's him like doing the Mandarin voice to impress all his prison inmates. We're like, do the voice, do the voice. Like, you'll never see me coming. And they're like, oh, that's a thing. Oh, you're so yeah, cool. Like, oh, thank you very much. And then the prison goes on lockdown, and all these like special ops dudes come in and they they kidnap Ben Kings and they're like, our boss is very upset that you were impersonating him. And so that was Marvel kind of saying the Mandarin's real. He exists in the world and you've pissed him off. Ben Kingsley. Also, there's a Sam Rockwell cameo and hail to the King. And it's great. Do you say it's a one shot? Yeah, they call them Marvel one shots. There are these like short oh, films. Oh, it's not like a one shot film, but it's correct. It, it's a, yeah, it's just th- what they called them. Shot. It wasn't a one take. They were like, there was maybe three of them for a time that Marvel was making these short films that only were on the DVD extras. Gotcha. So there's a Peggy Carter one as well. And there's a, uh, agent Coulson one. Gotcha. gotcha, um, gotcha. But it, it was Marvel establishing you were going to come back to the real Mandarin and they finally do in this episode, in this uh, movie, you get to see, um, I keep calling him the real Mandarin, but I don't remember what his actual name is. Uh, the uh, villain in this. Yeah. But he's the, he's Shang Chi's dad. Oh, he is God. the leader of the Ten Rings because if you remember, the Ten Rings was the quote unquote terrorist cell. I say quote unquote because I don't know if they're fully aligned with this character or if they were just appropriating his name. But the terrorist cell that kidnaps Tony Stark in the first Iron Man are the Ten Rings. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I don't know if they're Win affiliated Wu, with him. I think his name was Win Wu. Win Wu. Um, yeah, so he's supposed to be the quote-unquote real Mandarin, the guy who's lived for centuries. He is in command of the Ten Rings, and he is Shang-Chi's father and his sister's father, obviously, mm-hmm. the sister. Um, but I think he is the Mandarin. I don't know. I don't know if they called him that in this, but like... No, he had one line where he was like kind of like this guy... 
I was known took as my identity. The, the warrior king. And he said a couple of his names, but, it, but he, but he definitely like brought up the fact that, uh, people were, uh, pr- pretending to be him in Iron Man three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, they called themselves the mandarins and America was scared of a fruit. Right. Um, but and that was one thing I did also enjoy about the movie was the father son dynamic because it was a very complex relationship. Like the father's clearly like not a good guy, but he clearly cares about his kids. Yeah, dude. When they cut to like uh, them playing dance dance and shit at home, yeah. they, they had a little dance dance revolution mats. So I was like, okay, that that dude actually really did try to change and try to be a better person. And the world had different, you know, the the consequences of his many, 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 many previous years actions came up to came back to haunt him. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I feel like the dynamic there was actually really effective. Mm-hmm. You know, like I frequently in Marvel movies, I'm like, yeah, this villain is just flat out unbelievable. Um, although I will say I was like one of the few that was like, yeah, no, Thanos had a point. You know, but well, I mean, I think we can uh, all admit that Thanos does have a point, but he is kind of a he goes about it the wrong way. <laughs> but like his the the character building for Wenwu, um, assuming that's his name, uh, the real Mandarin. Uh, yeah, I thought that was effective as shit. You know, when if you mm-hmm. are like this immortal being that tries to just set it all aside and be a real person and then the world has other plans for you, what do you do? And seems reasonable to me that that is how it would end up and i think that turn at the end so his whole motivation is his wife dies right and so he he decides to give up the 10 rings and raise these kids and have he he as he said he found a reason to grow old for because the 10 Mm -hmm. rings give him um immortality Mm -hmm. so he gives up the rings because they found a reason to grow old and that was with his wife his wife is killed by uh, the, the iron con- gang, or the something. iron gang, the consequences of his past life caught up to them and his wife died because of it. And because of that, he, he goes full bad guy. Um, and it sucks because the, the very, very end, there's the final confrontation between Shang-Chi and his father. And I think it's okay. I think that's an okay scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it does fairly well, but I think it could have been so much better. I think that, cause I, I think the idea of him like realizing he's wrong because his motivation is to open this gate because his, he thinks his dead wife is being held captive there, but yeah, it's being really haunted by these voices of his wife saying, come save me, come save, come me. save me. There's a gate in my old hometown. Go there, break down this gate and save me. And they don't really give you much in the way of why. He's hearing he, that. He, why he's hearing that? It's just like when he when he finally does break the gate, it's just this giant mo- soul sucking monster comes out. Yeah, and it's never like you never hear a haunting it's a soul sucking monster that's telling him to do that it per- and pretending to be his wife. Right, but you well, you never hear that again. The second it comes out, it's not even like the her voice that transitions into the scream of a monster. It's just a monster comes out, and we never hear that voice again. And you're, I guess, you're left to assume that it, it was that monster that was doing mm-hmm. it, but. It, we there's nothing to tell you that like i think the idea of him of this character kind of realizing that he's wrong and the tragedy of that and giving up his 10 rings so that his son has a chance to fight this monster that he's unleashed that was so great like when he transitioned the rings over to him that was really well done see i think that was done okay Really? I think on paper, that's a fucking 10 out of 10 idea in execution because you've got all this other nonsense happening over there. Mm-hmm. 
it doesn't really hit as hard as it could. Like I thought that could have been like the biggest gun pu- gut punch in Marvel history, but it really doesn't land as well as I was thinking they wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Um, Again, I just, blame the score and the oh God going. So we talked about this bus fight earlier. Mm-hmm. It's this amazing fight scene. That's like oh, some of the greatest so choreography. Badass. It's in the first act. He's fighting a bunch of goons on a city bus and it's the brakes go out and Aquafina's got a, it's like speed, but there's like a Kung Fu movie happening at the same time. And then Steve, this is the score. They could have hired me. This would have been better. Dude. I think that's too much life here. Can I try? I think this was the score. The whole fucking fight was just one fucking beat. (laughs) And it was just kind of like, Oh, nothing's landing as hard as it should because this music is just hanging everybody out to dry. Yeah. It was brutally done. Uh, excuse my, I don't normally have my guitar sitting right next to me while we're recording. So I'm like, if I find an opportunity to grab it, I'm going to do that. Hey baby, we're creaming it. We're creaming it. This a welcome to creaming it. Just creaming it to cruise control. Cruise control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Why do we even need Chris? We got it. We, we got cream. We got it. We're here. <laughs> we love you, Chris. And we, we can't do. wait to have you back. We miss you. Do you have anything else to say? About, oh, uh, one thing I do want to talk, touch on before we exit Sean Chi was the, uh, the cameo of the abomination and Wong abomination, of course, being from the incredible Hulk with Edward Norton. You said after we walked out of the movie, uh, that that's the movie that you wanted to see. Like, whoa, that was the plot. And it just walked away. <laughs> I feel exactly the same. What's going on there? Yeah, so Wong and Tim Roth are hanging out over with Doctor Strange. I want to see that story. Yeah, so they they enter this like uh, underground fight club essentially, but there's like superheroes that are super powered esque individuals. I think there was like one of the the fire people from Iron Man three was fighting one of those Mm. cages, but it's basically pig. It was the uh, Seattle restaurant (laughs) underground fight scene. (laughs) Nicholas Cage in the background, (laughs) but Wong is fighting the Abomination, aka Tim Ross character from the Incredible Hulk, way back in uh, 2008, and. after the fight is done, there's a scene where they're in, they're backstage and they're like, oh, you could have pulled your punches more, buddy. Here, here's some water. And then Wong opens up a Doctor Strange portal and like, hey, let's go back to the wherever they're hanging yeah. out. And I'm like, what, wait, wait, hold on. I want to. <laughs> what's that about? Camera, follow them, please. <laughs> Why? Where's the abomination been this whole time? Why is he just hanging out with Wong? All right. <laughs> yeah, I want to know what's going on there. It's coming soon to Disney Plus. Way I'm more sure. than I do about the fucking dragon water people. Yeah, that was terrible. Well, they weren't dragon water people. The water dragon they bought. What I thought was a fake water dragon that turned out to be a real water metaphor. dragon. Metaphor. Yeah, the literal metaphor. Uh, was that everything you want to talk about with Shang-Chi? Yeah, yeah. All right, man. Let us circle back. 6.5 out of 10. 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, that's I think so. what it has on IMDb right now. Sounds about right. Oh, actually, has an eight point one. I'm sorry. IMDb had uh, Candyman as a six point nine. Wow. And Shang Chi's at an eight point one. Wow. Actually, I do want to say one thing. As we were leaving the theater for Shang Chi, there was one guy who was like, as he was leaving, the, the usher was holding the door, and the usher asked the guy in front, of us, like, "Oh, so how was it?" And the guy in front of us was like, "Dude, so great, way better than Black Panther." And the way wow. he said it was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> 
Yeah, this uh, people of color movie was way better than the other, other one. Yeah, because it was a white guy saying it. Yeah. So it was kind of like, uh, okay, guy who has a random axe to grind against Black Panther, a f- <laughs> much superior movie than this one. Way better. Uh, but anyway, uh, or as Chris would say, any hoozles. Any hoozle. Uh, let's go to our spoiler edition of Keeny Man. Man. Uh, what do you want to get into on these spoilers so far for Candyman? Candyman. Okay, so I have to bring up the best shot. I know exactly what we're talking and about. And the best shot is preceded by what was at the time the worst shot, but in retrospect is not by virtue of the pre- preceding shot. By, by approximation. You, you'll have to forgive by proximity, my, uh, it's so much better my addiction now. here is falling apart. I've had much Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Um, so... When I talked before about, um, I, I wish that uh, the direction of it had leaned a little more towards the Steven Spielberg Jaws uh, notion of less is more when it comes to a villain. Uh, when I brought that up, I was specifically talking about a scene with um, the protagonist. Uh, oh, no. What's the actor's name? Uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah. yeah. Is that correct? Uh, um, yeah. I think that's way better than I would have pronounced it. Uh but yeah, it's, it's 100% that guy. Yeah, yeah. So um, there is a shot of him uh, looking in a mirror uh, and seeing the Candyman as his Candy reflection. Man. And it is the, like this miming sequence where like he raises his hand and his hand, it, the Candyman raises his hook and there's bees on the other side. And he, like he holds his hand up to the mirror and the hook comes up to the mirror and, you know, it's uh, he does everything short of like go up and kiss the mirror and the, you know, the Candyman kisses him back. Well, if that like, lady hadn't interrupted, then that was going to happen. Eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, it goes on for a really long time and it loses any and all dread. You know, when you first look into a mirror and you see the villain on the other side of it, which happens frequently in a supernatural horror, you know, it should only be for a split second. You, the shock is what's important there. Uh, we don't need the detail of, and I, and I get what they're going for. They're trying to establish the uh, I am you, you are me kind of thing. But just having that sequence happen at all establishes that without having to drag it on. And it drags on for a very, very long time. It does go on for a while. But then it's interrupted by, uh, so in context, he, uh, this uh, gentleman, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, is an artist. And he is being interviewed by this art critic who is kind of a shitty person and uh, does art for the wrong reasons. And she's interviewing him only because his artwork, which was based on Candyman and was essentially a mirror that said, hey, say Candyman into this mirror and see what happens. Uh, Well, that it worked. And the people that worked at the art exhibit died. Uh, they were killed by Candyman. When Steve and I were talking about the uh, really cool shots early on where reflections. people are dying in the reflections. or Well, they're dying, but the reflections where you see what's actually happening. So badass. Yeah. Um, so he is being interviewed by this art critic. Uh, and the only reason she's interviewing is because of those things. Uh, she has been, while this mirror sequence is going on, she has been in the bathroom summoning Candyman. And so... Uh, after Yaya Abdul-Mateen II uh, has this experience, look in the mirror, he's like, I got to go. And he bails on this interview. And then we have this bad ass shot. It's like this helicopter shot or something. I don't know how else you get it. It's like a drone shot from she, outside the building. She's in a skyscraper in like a really high-end condo or apartment. And uh, 
it is zoomed in on her seeing Yaya leave. What, what was it? Tony, Anthony. Anthony, yeah. Anthony, Anthony McCoy Anthony. is the character's um, name. We see Anthony rushing out of the, the apartment and the camera is starts zooming out. And we have gotten the impression that she has said Candyman in the mirror, but we didn't actually see it happen. Mm-hmm. And we it see It really her, plays with the, because while he's doing that like reflection dance, is supposedly when she's in the bathroom supposed to be saying yeah we see like in the interview he says say his name like he's he's telling her to do it and we see her like lean and look at the mirror like she's about to but we don't actually see it happen yeah so it really kind of plays with the expectations like ah she chickened out she didn't actually Mm -hmm. say it and then it's pulling back it's zooming back because this is very 70s vibe and then we see her lift up into the air and then slam against the glass of her uh, the the window of, of her apartment. And meanwhile, it's zooming out further and further. And, and you she, see all her neighbors just caring about their day. Yeah, like, like they're watching going football on. in the other rooms and stuff. And she starts smearing across the window and this giant streak of blood behind her. And eventually she's just a tiny part of a much bigger collage of just life happening. But it's just this brutal scene of her, this dead woman just, just floating, dragging across the glass like fuck that yeah. was effective man yeah that is that really the, good one of the best horror images i've seen in a long time for sure yeah and so just spoiling Candyman, that shot alone sold the movie for me I, i've mentioned before how horror movies you kind of have to go in with semi-low expectations and hope for one grain of greatness amongst it this the, i think that this movie had several grains but that was the that was the golden nugget. Oh, that was the nugget. That was the nugget, man. Fuck, that scene was good. What about you? What did you, what did you love in Candyman? What did I love? Uh, I just I, I really enjoyed. I don't know. I just really enjoyed the vibe of the movie. Like like I said earlier in the spoiler free section, I love when a horror movie has something to say because mm-hmm. it's so easy for horror movies just to be like, oh, there's a monster. Ah, it's scary. I killed some people. Ah, oh, it sucked. <laughs> Now nah, we got away because I'm a virgin. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I, so I love it when movies like try to do something more. And we, I, you know, I'm, I'm the worst person to ask about this because I'm not a huge horror fan. But like within the last, I don't know, like five years, there's been a plethora. Like we've been spoiled with horror films that have been tr- that have tried to be more. Mm-hmm. They have tried to be very like there's a, like the most interesting art house films that are coming out are like horror films. Usually horror films. Yeah, yeah. Which is such an interesting idea. Um, it's just not my genre for me, but this one was very relatable. And I was kind of going in with it, with this pre- previous experience of having seen Candyman and having that idea of what it was. Uh, and, and just being like, so interested in seeing a movie done from a different perspective. Cause this is very much a movie about uh, black experience in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thankfully those type of films, TV shows are happening more and more, but not obviously as much as they need to be. And I'm always like, yes, a new perspective. Cause like it, this is a new perspective for me, a white guy who lives in Kentucky. Sure. <laughs> and I love, I love witnessing that. And that's, I think the greatest strength about this movie is it has this new perspective and it, and it feels very real. It's like a, I mean, obviously it's a diverse movie, but it's even diverse. Cause like, uh, uh, Anthony McCoy's, uh, girlfriend is his girlfriend. Yeah. Are they married? So it's his girlfriend. girlfriend. Uh, his girlfriend's brother is a gay man and he is in a relationship with another gay guy. And I, I love her brother. Like, 
is almost like the smartest person in the movie yeah. in terms of like his, his boyfriend when they're at the art gala is like, I'm going to start saying Candyman into this mirror. And he's like, don't you do that. Black people don't need to be summoning things. And right. It's such like a fun, like, yeah, don't fucking do that. Um, it is always fun when you have somebody in the horror movie point out the obvious, yeah. like, like you've seen those commercials where it's like, let's run into that running car. And it's like, no, let's go hide behind the chainsaws. That's way safer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like the Geico commercial or whatever. Yeah. But like to have somebody be like, no, we should split up. Why the fuck would we split up? There's a serial killer out here. It's strength in numbers. Let's, yeah. let's stay to get as a group. Um, um, so yeah, I, I, I do love that. And I think that uh, Anthony's girlfriend's brother, I have no clue who that actor is, but he killed it. Um, yeah, he was great. Uh, I actually have his name pulled up. It's uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Nathan Stewart Jarrett killed let's, it. Let's see if he's been in anything else that we've uh, we may have seen. Uh, the first few things that have come up on IMDb, I have not seen nor heard of. Oh, apparently he's in Doctor Who. No shit. He's in uh, the Jodie Whittaker version. Oh, well, I'm getting there. <gasps> oh shit. Oh, I wonder who he plays. That's interesting. Okay. Well, going back, um, there is. So I'm going to talk about a couple of things I don't like. Okay. Again, I really do like this film. Uh, but there are a couple things that I dislike. The first thing, there's a couple scenes that are completely only added just to raise the body count true. of the film. Very true. Uh, during the art gallery scene, uh, there's a shot. The what gallery scene? Art gallery? What did I say? Ow. Ow. Sorry. <laughs> art. Art. Creaming it. Creaming it. The art gallery scene, uh, there's this tracking shot that kind of goes, it's like, so it's a crowded room of people you know, experiencing the art and it's this tracking shot that kind of goes through everybody. But the whole time there's this young woman who's like dead center of the frame. You see her back and it kind of focuses in on her and then it lingers on her for a while. And then she leaves the it scene. It is the introduction of a major player. The yes. way they shot it, the way they shot it. It's like, Oh, that, that woman's going to be very important. She's coming back. And she leaves the scene almost immediately as soon as they introduce her. So I was like, okay, I can't wait till she comes back. She literally comes back like what? 45 minutes later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and she's just a high school girl and she tells all her high school friends like, have you guys heard of Candyman? Let's say Candyman in front of the mirror. And they're like, <laughs> okay, batch. And they all say Candyman. The one chick freaks out. And I then love they start, that. The, the one girl's like, no, fuck this. Yeah, and leaves. Fuck this. I don't need to be summoning shit. <laughs> and then they start like semi-bullying this poor girl in the bathroom for, for some, some fucking some reason. reason. Yeah. And the, I, no guess, I guess there. so we don't feel bad that a bunch of teenage girls get brutally murdered in a bathroom. None of it happens on camera. Like Barely any of it happens on camera. And like that's literally the only reason why we have this tracking shot of like this lady's important because she's going to die unceremoniously 45 minutes later. Yeah. And that scene is completely needless because none of those characters appear before or after that scene. They're literally only there to show like, yeah, I know we've established this. If People you see Candyman five times, he's going to show up and wreck your day. People are dying. It's the propagation of the, the symbolism of uh, gentrification, sir. Yeah. Uh, that's why that scene happened. Yeah. Although the one thing I have is actually probably the one solid. problem I have with that, that scene is the one girl with the really short hair. She says Candyman before they all do. So yeah, she, they, so they, she's they, like, like Candyman, like, no, bitch, we got to say it together. I'm like, okay. So they all say Candy, and I thought they were going to get to four. And then she and dies. Then that girl that would have been awesome. Just, just mur like murked right in front of them. But no, she was able, she actually technically said it six times. Uh -huh. So Candyman, what's, what is it? Is it say my name five times or more? 
Huh? Or is it say my name five times? I mean, I mean, I, I guess if you were to say it super duper fast, you could get in probably like 15 of them bitches. It's true. It's true. This whole time I've candy realized man, candy man. <laughs> we've said Candyman a lot this episode and there is a mirror right behind you. I'm not looking at that mirror, so I'm cool. It's in the corner of my eye. So if I die, I'm blaming, I'm blaming you. I'm blaming Penny. <laughs> I'm, Penny, come on. No, he showed you a good girl. She just looked at me like, don't bother me. I'm sleeping. Here she comes. Uh, but the other, okay. So this is the problem I had with it that we talked about before. So there's a character played by Coleman Domingo. It's William Burke. He's the laundromat owner. He kind of acts as the character. He's like, ah, you don't know who Candyman is. Yeah. I'll tell you who he is. You don't want to go down that road. Yeah. He, he's the, he's the wizened character that has he's the, that road guy. previous experience with this supernatural event. You know, he, he actually saw the Candyman when he was alive, or at least one of the iterations of the Candyman uh, while he was alive. The sheep have left the flock. You know what I'm talking about from uh, Kevin in the woods? Where it's like the creepy man at the gas oh, station. Yeah. Where, and they're like, am I on speakerphone? It's <laughs> <laughs> an underrated movie. It's a great movie. Uh, but this character, he's kind of like this friendly, hey, I'll help you out with your quest and learning about Candyman. But then at the end, all of a sudden he's like, he kidnaps uh, Anthony's girlfriend, brings her to the church where I guess the original Candyman murders happened. And is then. Oh, is that what that was supposed to be? Honestly, I don't remember. They they make There's a big a church stink that about that church early on, yeah. But they don't quite go into detail, and it's been so long since I've seen the first Candyman, so I assume that played a big part in the first mm. Candyman movie. But the, but he's like, hey, I got your boyfriend here, about to cut his arm off and put a hook on it because he needs to be the Candyman, and it, we need a witness. We need we need a witness, and we need things to be mostly the same. But I mean, you can do what you want with it, you know, have some creative you know interpretation, but still kind of be the Candyman. And, and it's up, like, up to wait, this point, what are we doing? There's no real clarification of why he's doing this. Yeah where this turn comes from and then we know that he was severely it's revealed at some point in the movie that he was severely emotionally scarred uh having witnessed the Candyman, having been there when the Candyman was murdered uh but then also it murders his also sister? having had his sister be killed by it yeah yeah uh, which they don't reveal the sister being murdered until literally the scene before this happens mm-hmm. yeah so it's like uh okay yeah right on uh, uh but and and and, and the scene is so clunky because he he kidnaps his sister. We don't see that it's him originally. Um, we because you only see the reflection of a body, and he's wearing a similar coat to what Candyman wears. So you assume right. the Candyman took her. No, it was this guy. And then he's like, "Oh, the Candyman needs to rise up. It's going to be your brother. He's coming back. The people need to know his name. They need to share the story of all the brutality." Um, <laughs> Uh, and we need a witness. I don't know why he kept saying like, we need a witness. It's like, it was a, oh, a okay, why? Fury road. Witness me. Uh, and then he is stabbed off screen because she runs away, but you hear like a stabbing noise. and going, Bleh! so she's being chased in the hallway in a dark hallway. And throughout that whole sequence, I thought she was being chased by her boyfriend now possessed by the candy man. No, she's being chased by this dude who's been stabbed and he gets her into a room and he's like clearly on the death's doorstep. Like I'm going to kill you. And she fucking murks him with a ballpoint pen. Yeah. Like 15 times to the face. That thing would have broke the first time she stabbed him with it. I don't know. Those pens are not structurally sound. They're not meant for that. Uh, and then the candy man just kind of shows up and it's like, he wanders in. Yeah. I think he's dead. Yeah. I think he's dead. It's like, what, what What was the last 10 minutes I just saw? This was right. so odd. It was very odd. I need to watch it again. I feel like there has to be some kind of symbolism to 
what went down and why it went down the way that way that it did. But in the moment, I'm just like, what is happening? Everything made sense up until that point. Yeah. And this could be, in all honesty, this could just be because we're two white dudes living in Kentucky. Sure. And maybe the, the symbolism and metaphor that they're trying to get across is just going over our heads. And if that's the case, I would love for someone to, you know, let us know and kind of like put the pieces together that we're missing. Cause that would enrich edify the experience. Us. Yeah. Edify us. Um, because overall I really, really, really do love this movie. I love the final scene where, so the cops show up because, uh, the William, the guy, the, the laundromat guy, he called the police before all this happened and said, there's a man with a hook on his hand. He's killing everybody. Come get him. Mm-hmm. And, so the police show up looking for Anthony because he now has the hook grafted to his hand and he's about to die because he's had this bee sting that's been killing him for fucking 90 minutes. Right. And uh, he's like in, in his girlfriend's arms and she's like, oh, don't die. The police show up and she's like, oh, thank God you're here. And they just straight up shoot him in her arms. Yeah, that was weird. And it's supposed to be a very like, you know, the police are shoot first, ask question later, ask questions later when it comes to African-American males in America, sure. which is, you know, obviously like what every week something very horrible true. like this. Very happens. true. And I understood what they were going for there. But the way that they filmed it made it really weird because it was like a, a close on her face were run in and gunshots. And it, you're pretty sure that she's like holding him as he's dying. Right. And like she reacts. It's like, oh, did sh- they shoot her? Did they shoot him? And it's like. Okay, she's still alive. She's still fine. So they shot him in her arms. And then it pulls all the way out. And she's crouched like five feet away from him laying on the ground. And I'm like, hang on. No, you were just holding him in your arms when the cops came. Oh, I didn't notice that part. It was really like the blocking there was torn apart. It was Mm. bizarre when they cut to the wide. Yeah, there has to be, like I said earlier, there has to be some sort of editing footage on the floor or they didn't get everything that they were wanting to get. Yeah. But I did like that shot because there is a wide, because uh, you don't see the officer that shoots her or shoots him. Mm. It's just a shadow of a guy holding a gun and then the flashing blue lights of a cop car. Mm. And I thought that was a really good uh good call back to start the very beginning where it was the kid doing the shadow puppets like the oh, guy, I didn't even think the about guy that. running and the cop being like yeah you stop you're oh, under arrest i didn't even think about that i was thinking more along the lines of like when all these things happen when a when there's an unfortunate um police shooting you almost never know who the cop really is, but you know who the the victim is in that mm-hmm. situation. True. And, and it's like this faceless cop that can be fined or fired, but then they'll just get hired in another state like three months later. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. They won't face any consequences. Very true. Um, but, then, and, but then there's this extended sequence where they cuff her. They put her in the police van, the police uh, squad car or whatever. And the guy's like looking at her through the rear view mirror and is like, oh, so this is what happened. Uh, this guy with a hook attacked us and we shot him. Uh, or uh, we can tell everybody that you were an accomplice. And uh, yeah, that scene was it was very much like this crooked cop trying to pin them killing this black guy on her and trying to cover up what they did. Right. Because they really kind of like shot him. They really did just run in and shoot him. But it it was weird they, the way that they did it. It was as if like that whole thing was premeditated. But I'm not sure. Uh, like, And I get that like frequently it kind of is mm-hmm. like with, 
you know, police brutality and stuff. But in, in this case, like with the whole like mythos that they built up of like all of these innocent black people that were being murdered. And, you know, this is kind of what began the legend and stuff. You know, they had him run in and kill the Candyman, uh, Yaya as Candyman. But in this circumstance, they literally had a phone call saying, hey, there's a man with a hook that's killing people. And they run in to find a man with a hook and a dead body that's been stabbed a bunch in the face and they kill the guy. So it's not as much of a leap. It's interesting because these cops at the end are comically evil. Uh, which yeah. is which is in comparison so in the beginning there's the scene where uh the tony is it tony todd is that his name i already forgot the guy who plays the older candy man um yes so it's him he's he's hiding in the walls because there has been razor blades being given to children in candy and they're looking for him because he's the suspect so he's hiding in the walls of this apartment complex the little boy is down there. He kind of comes out of the hole to give the boy candy because I guess that's just his, his shtick. He just loves kids. Yes. Yeah, and he, but he, but he scares the kid and the kid screams. So all these cops rush in, they see him and they beat him to death. Right. And that's how he dies. But during that scene, when the cops rush in, they make a point of pulling the kid away and like saving quote unquote. I don't You can read this a bunch of ways, but there is this leniency given to those set of police officers were like, yeah, they're beat the shit out of this guy unceremoniously. And it's terrible that they killed a guy and didn't actually let this dude get justice. But there's this like hint of, Hey, we're doing this to protect you. Sure. Um, even though they make a big, uh, uh, that's not a right thing to do. You don't cop shouldn't beat people to death either way, but they like added this little kernel of they're doing it to protect a kid or the, the neighborhood children. Uh, even, but you can argue that they're just, you know, that's not what their intentions were, but they sprinkle that in. And then in, at the end, these guys are just like, bam, bam. All right. Uh, so, uh, we're not at fault for shooting this guy, are we? Yeah. Or we're going to throw you in jail because we're super evil. And we also just got done from the clan rally. Right. Yeah. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much, dude. They just are strapped like, yeah, we just totally came here to kill a dude. And that was sweet. Yeah. How do you want this rest of the night to go? But I, but I get what they're going for because I mean, uh, what was that last summer? There's a guy who literally was just walking away from a police officer because he was annoyed. I wish I could remember the gentleman's name, but he, he died because he was in an altercation with the cop, like verbally. Mm-hmm. He was like, what are you doing? Like this too. And he, so he walked away in frustration and the cop like unloaded a magazine into his back and killed right. him. Yeah. And it's stuff like that. Where it's like, yes, this type of shit does happen. Mm-hmm. 100 percent. so i know what they're going for and then at the end when she runs away from, so she summons Candyman again and Candyman comes and murders all the cops that was pretty dope she runs away because obviously she's scared she sees Candyman again and it's now the form of of anthony tony and, he, todd. and he's like say my name no it was tony todd oh right? yeah you're right it was tony todd the, it looked like he, he de-aged at him. this point his face is covered in bees which they that was such a cool effect it i'm surprised really cool. they didn't use that more you know, up to that point, it was just Candyman with a cut. It was Tony Todd, older Tony Todd with a couple bees. Yeah. But at the end there. It's um, almost like he got rejuvenated. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess so. Like with Yaya, become, Anthony becoming uh, Candyman that Tony Todd took over. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird. Tony took over Anthony. But uh, <laughs> yeah, very much so. Like Anthony became Candyman. Like he mm-hmm. had his bee bite infection or whatever and became him. And then he was covered in bees at the end. And then the bees parted and it was Tony Todd, mm-hmm. but de-aged. 
which was it, like you said, it was one of the best special effects. Definitely the best special effect in the movie. Yeah. It looked really well. But he says, like, say my name, say the story. And I think that's what they're kind of going for. Like, these stories of abuse that keep getting swept under the rug by society. Yeah. Can't be anymore. Because this cycle of violence only leads to more violence. And that's not how you cure people. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Because, I mean, uh, for instance, um, oh, shit. I'm forgetting the name. It's the... that that uh, it was black wall street what was in that time it was that really affluent tulsa tulsa yeah that's right that's the town so tulsa the tulsa riots where was a bunch of white people who got really mad about something stupid and went and just destroyed and murdered a bunch of black people just because they could yeah uh i remember when i first found out about that happening in our history like i think uh, the first time i heard about it was 2013 for me, it was watching fucking Watchmen. Yeah, and that's what most people that I know had never heard of that that incident until Watchmen, HBO's Watchmen, brought it up last year or in 2019. Mm-hmm. Also with Yahya Abdul-Mateen II. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I remember when I first found that out in 2013, I being so angry because like this is so fucked up. How did I not know about that? How did no one tell me that this, how is this such a big secret in this country? And that I went up through a fucking school system. I fucking learned about Paul Revere's great fucking ride. Who gives a shit about (laughs) Paul Revere? But I didn't hear about this. And this is so, it's fairly recent, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, they, they, they're still finding like the mass graves from it and whatnot. It's completely insane. And so, like, there is this history of this country kind of sweeping these injustices uh, against the African-American community under the rug and just not talking about it. I'm saying, well, we we fixed racism. Sure. And and I think that's I think that's why I like this movie, like even because it's very adamant, like, no, say it. Talk Mm -hmm. about it. That's what you need to fucking do. Fair enough. I I feel like that's probably a much, much better interpretation of it than I initially had with uh, saying that it was kind of heavy handed. I take that back entirely. I think that you're totally right about that. I like it when you tell me that I'm totally right. Oh yeah. I can tell you more, buddy. <laughs> and again, this is just uh, from the perspective of two white dudes in Kentucky. hundred percent. So, you know, take our perspective for a grain of salt because we are by no means experts on that <laughs> yeah uh so we just like movies and we saw a movie and we just like talking about movies to each other it was a super good you know movie I mean? uh do you have anything else andy you would like to add before we wrap up the nah, show i just want to say candy man fucking rocked candy man does fucking rock that scene man with the film or the art critic god damn yeah. was that good really fucking good really fucking <sighs> good uh andy where can they find you if they want to reach out to you on social media well you can find me on twitter at andy most days and you you can also find Chris on Twitter at C Michael writes. Tell him happy uh, honeymoon. Happy honeymoon, buddy. Where can we miss you be you? found? I can be found at C May 13. You can also follow us uh, on Twitter. Just the podcast at stream thing pod. You yep. can email us at streaming things pod at streaming things pod at gmail.com. Yep. And then uh, if you want to become a Patreon member and get access to the bonus episodes, our bonus episodes, it's a uh, patreon.com slash streaming things. We love you. Happy streaming. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.